Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about making the hit 1986 movie Top Gun into a relationship drama forged in the dark. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. Today we'll be talking about how to remove combat from a game without losing its stakes. Did I tell you that I'm running an Urban Shadows game? Yes, you did. I saw a little bit of talk about it on the Discord, but I didn't actually get a chance to read through much of it. And I kind of barfed all of my ideas for the threads you said mm-hmm. at you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I did use some of them, I think, um, but I have not dug too deep into it. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I, I think, I think, I think at least Ryan... Some of the people in the game may listen to this podcast, so we can't go into too many details, but okay. it's very interesting. Um, so, I haven't run a game that wasn't masked. I haven't really played a whole lot of games that weren't masks <laughs> in a long time. Yeah, um, it's been a lot of masks. Oh, like, yeah. We went to Dreamation. Did you play yeah. games at Dreamation? No. No, you, you played masks I played, at Dreamation. I played, well, and I played board games, and I played, um, I played war games. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So uh, I just did miniature stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's a very different game to, to run than masks. Yeah. There's so much more stuff you have to like manage and, and think about cause you've got all these threats and then, yeah. uh, where, where relationships in masks just kind of, and, and, and debts or what is, what's not debts, um, influence debts is, influence is like, it's it binary. doesn't. It's binary, and it doesn't, like, come up all that much, or it comes up... It's mostly the kind of thing that's brought up by uh, the player. Yeah. Um, but with Urban Shadows, the debts are, like... They're things that, like, the the GM should leverage, and they are often against other... Like, they're not against other players, they're against NPCs. Yeah, definitely. And so trying to, like, juggle all the debts and figuring out all the factions and then keeping track of rumors and keeping track of threats is, is a little bit overwhelming. Well, it's also not a party-based game, which I think yeah. makes a huge difference in terms of GM cognitive load. In yeah. some ways, I think in some ways it can make it easier because like if you're not doing a party game, then one of the things you can do is set the players against each other and then yeah. just take a scene where you sit back and relax and if a 6 minus happens, you uh, disclaim responsibility to the other player and go like, hey, do you want to hit him? <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, the way that the players uh, that I'm running for have chosen to play oh, no. is that they are a little bit of a party. Oh, no. Um, and and like they have a good reason for it, and yeah. the world that they've established is okay for it. Yeah. But one of the things that I'm going to have to do is like uh, drive some wedges between them, I think. When we played with our like group of like eight players at once... Yeah, we kind of got into some party mode stuff, which I just I I don't think it works as well for Urban Shadows. I think Urban Shadows has to be a game where everyone is kind of ready to be at each other's throats because that's what the game is about. It's about scarcity. It's about tension. It's about gentrification and people coming into areas that they don't belong in and all of that. Yeah, and so like the plot line that we've set up right now is, is about um, the murder of a vampire noble. Okay, and cool. right now there have been two parties, um, so we don't have any vampires. We actually okay. We have the only knight faction we have is a ghost. Yeah, and ghosts um, and frequently so, feel a little separate from 
other yeah, night so things. We, we have we have one aware who is just a, a person who is like still starting to get involved. Yeah. Like they are a person who spends a lot of time on message boards, but hasn't physically gotten involved. And this adventure is like the first real big time where they've physically gotten involved. Okay, cool. Um, and so they are kind of like a wild card right now. Yeah. The, the wizard we've established that wizards in this world often function as like solo entities and that, there may yeah. be a uh, like a council of wizards, but but it, they don't really aren't they aren't really like an oppressive leadership organization. Yeah, that that, and, that checks out pretty nicely for power, to be honest. Yeah, and then the we have two wild, a tainted, and a fae, and so right now the they are the two players who uh, who who have like they've been both called in to solve this crime. Yeah, uh, of the vampires, basically they've been asked to function as like neutral emissaries. Okay, that's cool. And but specifically, one of them was told to remain neutral. Yeah, and so they were told to be neutral, and then the Fae called them in on a debt they owed mm-hmm. to assist. So at some point, someone is going to figure out that this person is both working to 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 benefit one side of the vampire like uh, this like, argument. Yeah, and also supposedly remaining neutral, and that's going to be problem solving. Okay. That's good. So and that's where I'm going to like let them start out as a party, but hopefully be able to drive some some stakes between them. I was <laughs> stakes. I think that that that's exactly what Urban Shadows works best for. Two of the default powered by the apocalypse GM moves are bring them together and drive them apart. Mm. And almost every game has that. It yeah. basically like you know in Dungeon World it tends to be more like uh, a porticolis drops and the warrior yeah. is held beneath the water, but is really effective to just say no this is not going to be a happy time anymore and yeah. uh just set that up and kind of move towards that and then once happy once angry times have happened then you can push them back together and force them to work together on something which is always fun so i have a question and i hope that you have an answer <laughs> uh i'm sure that i do cuz i'm a glowing god of game creation these days yeah i have begun working on a solo game project that i'm working on okay i cool. have been toying with this idea for a while i have not talked about it i am going to continue being unnecessarily vague and mysterious <sighs> about it <laughs> because yeah, i feel like it J- um, james we should say you think you're being mysterious and shadowy you're actually being coy <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Actually, also, I'm not being that mysterious. Anyone who is like paying attention to me in any way could probably put some facts together and figure out what I'm working on. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things that I am struggling with a little bit, okay, is that I'm trying to hack a game system. Yeah. And that game system is well, I guess I can I can say it's bla- it's Blades in the Dark. Nice. I don't think that sharing that will give anyone no. in any way any insight into the game that I'm working on. It will give literally um, no insight because it and, is a weird choice. And Blades in the Dark has like a has a really nice Forged in the Dark um, SRD document where you can use a lot of their mechanics and yeah. just slap on the the logo saying like giving them credit. They're very cool about that. Yeah. Um, I was reading through the licensing again this morning, and it's it's very like it's not even the typical. Uh, 
uh, Creative Commons licensing where you have to say, uh, I think that's actually how this podcast is licensed, where if you use it, you have to give attribution, but also release whatever you're whatever you're like altering it to uh, in the same with the same license where it's also oh, yeah, something yeah. someone else could mm-hmm. can fix. Um, they have said you can use their product as long as and, and as long as you put their name on it and, and give them credit for the core like mechanics, you can then lock it down and say no one else can modify my game. Yeah. Um, I probably won't be doing that because I'm all in on remix culture. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, It'd be, that would be a little bit <laughs> hypocritical. But it's not like a, <laughs> it's not like a uh, um, like a cipher system where you then have to go through and sell the product via their specific stores. Yeah, you can really just do whatever you want with it, which is a really great thing. Like, and so I really respect the work that John Harper and One Seven Design have done. Uh, I'm like a big fan of people giving out work for free and letting people modify. Obviously, we do this podcast about <laughs> hacking games, yeah. uh, so I'm a little biased. But um, uh, so moving on from that. Uh, Forged in the Dark, for those people who do not know, uh, the hit game Blades in the Dark, it is a <laughs> it is a an extreme hack of Powered by the Apocalypse or of Apocalypse World, I would say. Yeah, it's a pretty um, it's a pretty big departure in a lot of ways. Um, although, yeah. Okay, so it's it's a pretty big departure in some ways, um, and those ways are maybe the least important things about PBTA, <laughs> like the mechanics and things like that are completely different. I mean, it's got a lot of the um, the beliefs behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it believes that that games should function the way that powered by the, the, the powered by the apocalypse yeah. games should function. It just builds a lot of frameworks around how to tell the story yeah. in a specific way, and then obviously it has um, a very specific setting built into it. It's yeah. about playing a like dark urban fantasy heisting thieving guild um, in a really cool setting. Yeah, it's very much like Dishonored. Yeah, where where most of the PBTA games have you creating the world, this uh, this game, Blades in the Dark, really moves away from that and moves towards having a preset world that is really freaking cool. Like, yeah, I want to read even, the novels of this game. Yeah, and even where Masks uh, gives you Halcyon City yeah. and even goes so far as to say, here are a couple heroes and villains and this is Aegis... Uh, as an organization yeah. that you should like lean on, um, Blaze in the Dark scoffs at that and says, "Here's <laughs> here's Duskwall and forty organizations that yeah. you should like play off each other." Um, and and a lot of what you're doing between sessions and even during the session is managing this the the thieving guild. And you have a whole playbook specifically for your thieving guild, and you have a map of like where you've like built out resources and and um, and structures and stuff. It's not quite to a level of, like, this is Chains the Thieving Priest that has 30 copper pieces in his pocket. But it is, like, really in-depth beyond what almost any indie games are doing. And it's actually, it, it, I have to say, that is something that really, really works for me about Blades in the Dark. It's a fantastic setting. Um, And so, but one of the things that comes with it is that it is still, like, fundamentally built off of a the, the the sort of the apocalypse world um concept and yeah. a lot of that involves combat like yeah. ultimately you are running a thieving guild you're going to go do some thievery um you are going to get into conflicts with the police you're going to get into 
um, conflicts with the constabulary. You're going to get into conflicts with the the different um, trading guilds. You're going to get into conflict. Yeah. And those conflicts. And so, like, a lot of the things when you look at your character sheet are what kinds of weapons do you have? What yeah. kind of abilities do you have? What kind of tools do you have? And And so, I guess that... And so what I want to ask you is you recently have spent a lot of time making uh, Passion de, de las Passiones, mm-hmm. um, which is a, also a Powered by the Apocalypse game, um, but is a game that specifically does not really have a whole lot of combat in it. Yeah. Um, and I'm and so one of the things I want to talk about today is I think that that I believe that that like the gaming industry can have all types of games and that we should not have to like restrict ourselves to games that involve combat. And in fact, this game project that I'm working on is, uh, is a non combat related game. Hopefully, Um, hopefully (laughs) Um, it would be weird. It it should have probably about as maybe even a less, like almost as much combat as your game. Yeah. Probably a little less. less. Yeah. Um, um, and so how do you get from a game system that takes combat and, and extreme conflict as a given yeah. and get to a system that has no conflict or no combat? I don't want to say no conflict. Yeah. Obviously, Passion de las Passiones has a lot of conflict. Um, but how do you get to a game that has little to no combat without really breaking the game system? Right. Um, and I think that there's actually kind of a couple different ways to look at things. One is that removing combat mechanics doesn't mean that you're removing combat. So like, think of like some of your core cannot be removed things from a combat mechanic system, right? Like hit points, for example. Yeah. Uh, Cartel has a cartel by Mark Diaz Truman published by Magpie Games uh, on Kickstarter right now. Check it out. Oh my God, I love this game. Yeah, recently funded and hit, uh, I think, almost all of the stretch goals. I, I think they're just continuing to roll out more and more stretch goals. Uh, I'm so excited for it. Um, th- that is actually the game that inspired me to look at the idea of writing a game that connected to my Latino identity. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge fan, probably too much of a fan, because I'm a little ob- obsessed. That game doesn't have an HP system. It has yeah. a stress system that goes up, but that stress system isn't actually connected to like your character being taken out of the conflict or your character being defeated or destroyed. Um, instead, what it has is the when you get effing shot move, which w- happens when that exact trigger happens. Yeah. So the conflict, so the combat mechanic. Like, one of the biggest parts of the combat mechanic of health, of, like, you know, slowly getting somebody kind of beat up into the situation, has been removed. But that is a game with an enormous amount of combat. Yeah, that's actually, that plays really well to the, um, something that I I have struggled to find really good ways to explain to people um, is fate's stress system yeah. and, and their consequences system. And, and one of the things that I feel is very true about that is that it is less like uh, damage or health points and more like a, like a plot armor. Yeah. Like, and so what, what that, that kind of a thing, and I think you can extrapolate this out to other combat systems, is that what health points are fundamentally are a stalling system. Yeah, definitely. Because the game is saying, we are interested in 
this amount of combat. Yeah. <laughs> and and that until this amount of combat has happened, we would like combat to keep happening. Yeah. Where and so what what it sounds like what you're saying is Cartel is saying is that we want combat, but that combat is gonna feel very violent. Yeah. And and it happened very quickly because we have no tolerance for combat. There's no health point system. It's just did you get effing shot and if you did do this thing. Yeah, and it's a it's a really truly brutal move. Like it's not yeah. it's not yeah. holding your hand. Um and so having that changes the tenor of the combat in a big way and it's taking out a lot of the combat mechanics. And one of the big secrets of Pasión de las Pasiones because Pasión de las Pasiones is actually mostly just a collection of GMing and game design secrets. Uh awkwardly cobbled into a game and i'm so looking forward to people figuring out all of the tricks that i did yeah because it's it's not a it's not a fair it's not a fair system and it's not meant to be uh but one of the big tricks is that pasión has the exact same combat system as cartel yeah it's just balanced more towards being able to survive when you get effing shot and, and it's also, I think that I think that the important thing there to take away is not that the system is uninterested in combat, yeah, but it's interested. It's more interested in the fallout of combat, exactly, than it is in the actual combat. Yeah, and so like with an HP system, you usually can't start a game by saying, "I I kill this person," and with some of the Apocalypse World systems, and especially Apocalypse World, for like unimportant NPCs, you can. But even in games that have kind of stepped back from a big detailed combat system, you can still you could still start out. You could say, uh, I'm El Jefe and somebody has been causing me problems, another player. And so the first scene of this telenovela is I'm going to shoot them, uh, which would be a bold choice and it would have consequences on the narrative. But that is something that you can theoretically drop into literally any game. Um, most games, that's not against the rules, and then you just have to continue building the narrative. This is in some way a bad example because it has a little bit of a rule about it, but in It Was a Mutual Decision by Ron Edwards, which is a game about uh, two people breaking up and one of them might be a were-rat, uh, there is a rule that says no one... None of the main character, neither of the two main characters, can die at the in the first scene. However, you could start the first scene by saying, "I get in my car and I run over the other person in the couple." <laughs> it would be a bold choice, but you could yeah. do that. I I have figured out why they are breaking up. Because because one of one them of hit them the other in the car. The other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's nothing that would stop that from happening, except for the culture at the table, and someone might X-card that and go, this isn't how this game is played. Yeah. But it would be a legitimate choice. You could 100% do that. Uh, so one of the things you have to do, even if you're taking combat out of your game, is include the possibility of it and have a way to deal with it if it does happen. Mm -hmm. Now, that way of dealing with it can be combat is ineffectual and silly. Like, there's a move in Pasión that is uh, when you strike out at someone with voice or violence, and nowhere in it do you have the option of hurting them. Yeah. Because it's a telenovela. 
So if you're striking out at someone with a voice or violence, you're slapping them or throwing water in their face. Um, and that's not really a combat system, but it's there for when people want to do that. Yeah, because again, it's not interested in it doesn't ma- like it doesn't really matter if uh, like what the actual combat looks like. We're yeah. talking about the repercussions, and really, you're going even further and saying it doesn't matter what the literal outcome of the violence was. Yeah, it's the the like the subsequent outcome, like because the character isn't going to be permanently injured in that case um, by that violence because it's a telenovela, but they will there will be some repercussion to that violence. Yeah. Um. And I, I think that having an idea of what happens in your game for if that happens is kind of a useful thing. I'm just thinking, yeah. like, if you're playing, I'm trying to think of the most absurd example I can think of. Oh, my gosh, I think I've got it. If you are playing Powered by the Apocalypse World, which mm-hmm. is a game about writing Powered by the Apocalypse <laughs> games. Yeah. And someone really ticks you off. I mean, yeah, maybe you could hit them. Right? Like, yeah. that's something people do when they're really angry. Uh, and there definitely is not combat mechanics in that game. And I think what the game would be pointing you towards doing is saying, hey, if someone hits somebody, then it's probably going to be people kind of slapping at each other and yeah. then being, like, wildly embarrassed afterwards. Which is what a lot of which is what a lot of physical fighting is. Uh, Obviously, violence is a really serious, important thing to pay attention to and be very careful of, and it happens all the time. But a lot of the physical fights that happen between two people are just kind of wildly hitting at each other. And that can actually have really dangerous consequences. But in most games, like if you're playing teenage drama, the RPG then you probably don't actually care what happens if the if the you know nerdy band camp guy uh takes a slap at the jock it's uh, you're you're more about posting what the scene looks like than anything in that cuz that's kind of not what the game is about probably let me let me let me ask a question that came out that comes out of that i think a little bit okay which is that that what you're saying for those uh those scenes is that so what you're saying about those games is that uh the the threat of violence can still be there yeah and that that it is probably important to think about what happens if somebody reaches out, like even if it's just like two game developers slapping at each other, yeah, um, what is going to happen when someone tries to physically attack somebody else? Yeah, um, and think about sort of what is the outcome of that, and that kind of leads me into one of the other questions I had written down, um, which is that like a huge part of because this is where my brain is, okay, um, in, of Urban Shadows is there's a lot of negotiating, there's a lot of deal making and that sort of thing, yeah, and and but 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 the thing that makes Urban Shadows powerful is that behind that 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 conversation is the fact that you are that for the most of part like all of the characters are werewolves or vampires yeah. or powerful wizards or humans that are like loaded down with guns and stakes and swords and weapons to kill vampires. Um, yeah, all of so you there's, are big there's, scary monsters. <laughs> there's a there's this subtle sort of threat of violence. There's there are stakes 
to the to the game, like yeah. to the conversation. And so even though combat may not be the focus of what's going on, it is there was always the threat of that. Yeah. And so if if you do sort of say like even if you were saying here is like a, me- a side mechanic for like this is how we'll deal with it, but in 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 Passion you're sort of saying this is not we're not I'm not expecting this to happen. Here's the rules for it if it does happen, but yeah. but I'm not expecting it to. And really most scenes don't have the threat of violence too much. No, yeah. Uh, seriously behind them. So how do you build stakes? How do you set uh, tension or how do you create tension in those scenes um, in ways that works without that threat of violence? I think that that question is not exactly like, I'm not really like, I obviously understand how you build <laughs> tension in scenes. Yeah. Like I, I studied film in college. Like people <laughs> don't, not every movie, every story is about violence. Yeah. But like how, but, but, the, but films and, and stories that involve uh, drama beyond intention beyond violence yeah uh, they have the advantage of of um a scriptwriter right who is setting the story so how do you turn like violent the threat of violence is a very easy mechanical tool to create tension yeah so how do you absent that create a mechanical way of building tension other than just like hoping to god that your players create <laughs> tension that that was gonna be my my first listed thing, is I, I think that really I think that there's three avenues to do this. One is okay. through the players, one is through the GM, and one is through the game mechanics. Okay. Needless to say, the one with the players is kind of the one we're least interested on on this podcast because uh this is about game design. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like if your game design is the players have to be good players. Yeah. Then that's not especially good game design. And I mean, I think it's okay to have games that have a degree of players need to be bought in in order for the game to work. But like, that's not something that you're really sitting down and doing at the table. Right. I mean, at the computer. And, and maybe this is getting a little bit of a head, but like with Passion, like you have created characters or a character creation system that sometimes sort of diametrically opposes the characters. Yeah. So you've given them hints about how to play their character and you've given those characters opposing goals so that if they are playing their character correctly, it doesn't matter if they're like a fantastic role player or a, a starting role player, if they're following the tips on their character sheet, they're going to be leading, leaning towards tension and 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 stuff with the other players exactly and that's actually where i think that the game design comes into it is when you as a game designer set up situations that put players on different goals that raises the tension and the stakes Mm -hmm. one of my very favorite moves in masks a new generation by brendan conway published by magpie games hey if you're interested in that check out our Actual play podcast, <laughs> Protean City Comics. Ah. Yep, um, proteancity.com. <laughs> is that when you face a threat as a team, you ask some questions to determine kind of like where your team cohesion is. And one of those questions is secretly, how tense are we going to be with each other before we go into this? Two of the questions, actually. Because one of the questions is, do we have the same goal, which yeah. is setting the stakes high? And, and sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, and uh, do you trust the other members of the team? Exactly. So, 
the worst answer that can come forward is actually kind of the one that you get the mechanical plus for. Yeah, yes and yes. Yeah, so like you could be... And so you can have players that look at that and go, yes, of course I trust the team and we definitely all have the same goal. But as a GM, you can start to try to kind of pull at that and go like, oh, so all of you are here to save Aunt May. Yeah. And no. Spider-Man is like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And Iron Man is going, mm, maybe not. No, Iron Man's still there to save Aunt May. That's true. Uh, That's not a good Thor? <laughs> Thor's not here to save yeah, Aunt May? Thor, Thor is like, whatever. Hulk's not here to save Aunt May. We're, right now we're playing Avengers Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Just de-aging everybody <laughs> to set that and, up. Yeah, I think that that's actually really interesting because one of the things that I was thinking about um, for my mystery project is that unlike Urban Shadows, I want all of my characters to kind of be on the same team. Uh, yeah, and they and that and, and that more like masks, they have a larger goal that they are trying to achieve, like kind of a heisting guild. Yeah. Um, in 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 Blades in the Dark, which is not a mistake. Um, <laughs> and but but I think that what I was what I was missing was that while everyone is there to do the same big picture goal, yeah, um, they probably all have individual goals that may oppose each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think. Okay. So, like, using Blades in the Dark as an example, or kind of using Blades in the Dark and kind of using The Lies of Locke Lamora, uh, which is a book by uh, Scott Lynch, which is basically Blades in the Dark. Uh, and it is about, like, having a heist and having characters that have different goals and different ideas. And it means that you get to have all of these wonderful little conversations where characters are going, hey, are you doing this for the same reason that I'm doing this? And then the characters lie to each other and say, yes, I'm doing this for the same reason. Yeah. And then you get like, yeah, but it kind of seems like you're doing this for this reason. Eh, don't worry about it. Yeah. And like that just makes it so that every single interaction with the greater goal, you have that thought in the back of your head of what if they're lying. Um, in, in a recent game of <laughs> in a recent game of masks that we played. Oh, this is this is difficult because it's got some Protean City stuff in it, so I'm gonna keep it super, <laughs> super, super general. In a recent game of Masks that we played, we had two characters that towards the end of one of the sessions really established that although they're going to have some teamwork stuff going, they have really diametrically opposed major goals. Yeah. And so they're gonna have to live with that and they're gonna have to actually figure that out a little bit. But that makes it so that every interaction that they have is a little tense. It's like um, uh, it's like that Alfred Hitchcock thing that like a conversation is fine, but you stick a bomb underneath the table and have the audience know about it, but the players don't. And then maybe you give one of the players one of the information. He was a big D&D fan. Alfred yeah. Hitchcock was. So he mostly talked about the players, not about movies. Uh, you probably know more about that than I'm talking about than I do. It's the uh, it's his is his quote about is uh, the distinction between suspense and surprise. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. I only know it from Jane the Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at the quote right now. Okay. Um. Yeah. So if the, if the, you have, it's basically he's saying if you have a conversation that's happening between two characters and then suddenly they explode, that's surprise. Yeah. But if you are, if but if they are having a character and then you show the audience the bomb, 
uh, then that's suspense. Yeah, exactly. And I think suspense is what you're going for. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like a bomb. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Sometimes it can yeah. be. Yeah. But I, and I think that uh, like to some extent, what I'm going for is even subtler than that. Yeah. Like, like it's, there's a difference between two characters who uh, on the, on, 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 uh, on the surface level appear to have the same goals. Yeah. And so are working together for the time being yeah. because they are claiming and lying about having the same goals and two characters who genuinely have the same goals. Right. But maybe one of them is like secretly plotting to take credit for everything or, right. or, uh, in the end, um, yeah, they're, 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 they don't really like this other person. So they are trying to, to make sure that like, like it, it, that's where it's hard because I, I would say that in like a, uh, in a straight up blades in the dark story, you might have this intricate plan that you've designed, but one character secretly rev- wants revenge on the other character. Right. And so they are working together to, to pull off this heist, but the character who hates the other, uh, might make sure that the, the car, like the getaway car they've been, they're providing for that character has a bomb in it. Right. Or that would add tension. Or it just isn't there. Or it isn't there. Yeah. yeah. Because they are looking to secretly sabotage parts of the mission to make this other character, not, not only just look bad, but also maybe die or take damage or whatever. Right. But if get caught by the police, but if, but if all your characters do genuinely have the same goal, you can't really say like, um, it would it would be very hard for if we were if you were playing powered by the apocalypse world, um, and all of the characters genuinely had the goal of releasing a piece of like a game. Yeah, it would be very hard for to justify one of the characters saying, "I hate you so much that I'm going to sabotage the whole project." Yeah, I mean may, maybe that would be a good plot, but like, um, but uh, but like if their goal is still to produce a game but they hate this other person they're being forced to work with, yeah. then they're probably unlikely to sabotage their own goals of In order to do a game. That. So they just have to like do other things. And that's kind of what I'm struggling with a little bit. So I think what you do with that is run some A plots and B plots. Um, and kind of this ties in a little bit with what I was thinking in terms of like the GM thing. So I'm going to say it first as the GM thing and then transition into how that can go into game design. I think. Sounds good. I think that's the way. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Um, Yeah. So at the table, there's PC, NPC, PC triangles is a thing that uh, Apocalypse World talks about a lot and a whole bunch of other games talk about a lot. And what that is, it's when two PCs have radically different relationships with the same NPC. Mm -hmm. So let's say you've got two PCs that have to work together. Okay. And they are involved in some stuff, whatever it is. Um, It can be... It could be something as a party, probably better if it isn't, but there's an NPC that is the boss of one of them and the spouse of the other. Okay. That immediately sets interactions that are going to have a level of tension between the two PCs because the PC who is the employee can't say anything about their relationship with their boss that is negative to the spouse of the boss. Yeah. And so that's something I'm doing a lot of in Passion is setting up so that characters are connected to each other, although I'm actually doing a lot of PC, PC, PC triangles. Yeah. Where those differing relationships are a big part of what pushes the drama. Because when you have the moment that that the employee is going to do something bad to the spouse of the other PC, 
that creates drama. Mm-hmm. Even if you're working together, like even if there is a big plot, even if the boss, like even if if it's Blades in the Dark and the boss is in charge of a gambling ring, it still has additional tension because it has those relationships. And kind of the opposite of that is the NPC-PC-NPC triangle, where you have two NPCs that are trying to tell a single PC how to live their life. Um, That's a big one in Masks, that you set up basically Mm -hmm. two PCs, you set up basically two NPCs that have opposite labels. Uh, So one is trying to get you to really dive into that freak and stay away from your superior because you know you're you're a mutant and that's important but you're not you know totally full of yourself and the other is saying no you're a genius you're a, a god among insects and away from the mutation stuff because what you are is not your powers um man i could have used the example it was xavier in there instead <laughs> xavier and, and magneto would have been a much better example but like those are another way to build some tension because then any interaction that a PC has with one of those NPCs is going to be big. Yeah. So that actually gets into one of the, I mean, I just want a quick, quick aside yeah. here that gets into one of my other questions of, of uh, like making sure what, what repercussions can you have on, on, in your back pocket for when things go wrong? Because like in dungeon world or in, in, uh, in Blades in the Dark, when yeah. things go wrong, it's really easy to throw a trap or an explosion or something at at the characters, yeah. um, a new bad guy. But in, in a non-combat game, those sorts of physical threats become difficult. Yeah. And so actually I could see a world where, or a game where um, you have not established that the boss, is, or that the two, the two PCs are are connected mm, yeah through this boss but that when the the employee character is sort of uh talking smack about the their boss to this other character uh, and fails a role really badly you then establish that the the other npc or the other pc and the boss are uh in a relationship yeah you have the boss come into the room and place their hand on the small of the back of the other person and it's like oh yeah. no yeah because that's exactly the kind of thing that would happen in a movie. That's yeah. like that's the 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 Top Gun thing where the, the where what's his face is uh, play volleyball um, where where uh, where Maverick is uh, is hitting on the the lady only to find out that she is his boss. Uh, it's been a while since I watched <laughs> Top Gun and really the details of that movie. It's a really bad movie. No, it's a great no, movie. No, it's a really bad False. movie. False. It, it suffered. It did not age well. All of it the did. heroes in it are actually so. horrible villains. Oh, that's true. And all the villains in it are like the good guy that you should be rooting for. Yeah. Iceman is the greatest is the goodest character he's, in that. He's, in that yeah, good absolutely movie. no question. Uh welcome to Stop Hack and Watch Old Movies. He's the one there who's taking everything seriously. Yeah. He's genuinely trying to be the best pilot. Yeah. If if that movie came out today, he would be the hero. And and all he does, I mean, and the thing that makes him villainous is that he's constantly trashing on the main character, who admittedly is not taking anything seriously and, and does get a lot of people killed yeah, or was, injured. Yeah, it was a misogynist that's putting people's lives in danger. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but enough about Top Gun. Enough about Top Gun. Um, uh, so yeah, so I think I think that's one of the ways is you put you suddenly... You, 
start to introduce some of those relationships or you show how those relationships are going to get really, really tight with each other. Um, so how in game design do you make sure that that is happening? One of them is having relationships that are tight, permanent, and difficult. Uh -huh. So like if you have, oh man, this is going to sound like I'm throwing shade on Dungeon World and I promise that I'm not. Because I love Dungeon World. But the relationships in Dungeon World are these weird kind of transient things. Because that's not where the drama is. Yeah. The drama is about going into dungeons and fighting for your life and all of that. So it has a thing where you are resolving your relationships. And then changing them or removing them and things like that. Whereas a game like Cartel, Mark is really focused on making the relationships things that will matter for the rest of the game. Yeah. So you have relationships like this person is your brother. And that's kind of a huge thing. Like think of uh, think of Breaking Bad where they've got this main character whose brother is a DEA agent. And that's kind of huge yeah. <laughs> and is going to stick around. And like that isn't a time where the two people have the same goal, needless to say. <laughs> Yeah, but and it you, is kind of weird that in Dungeon World you would have a a relationship that you like like this character is my brother and I have some beef with them. Yeah, but then when you resolve that, like the fact that they're, that they're your brother just disappears. Yeah, well, because Dungeon World has a lot of relationships that are like I'm worried this person won't survive the dungeon, and then you play a session or two and the person does like a really good job in a fight and you're like, I'm no longer worried that they'll survive the dungeon, yeah. which is fine because it doesn't need the additional tension to make it work. But like, you know, it's, it's just a different kind of relationship. Yeah. Now, if you set up something where people are working on a, on a thing together and you have a relationship like this person has always gotten the promotion that I worked for, that is going to be something that is going to create like some kind of lasting resentment, some lasting problems. And it's going to be something that pushes you towards some kind of action, right? Yeah. Masks has a relationship that the doomed sets that is, I want to kiss someone before my doom comes. And that really is a thing that is going to cause some drama because it is telling you to do a relationship thing. Yeah. And it's not going to be like a brief transient thing. It's not something that's going to disappear the moment they get into a fight and show that they're effective in combat. Yeah. And especially because it's, it's, it is opposed to everything else on the sheet that is telling you, holy crap, you're going to die. Yeah. Do all this stuff. You have, don't have time for personal relationships. Exactly. <laughs> just, just focus on this nemesis. Just focus on this doom. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, you want to kiss someone. Yeah. And so that's what, and what it is doing, what it's very secretly doing. This is a secret. What it's secretly doing is setting up an automatic triangle. That it's your yeah. character being dragged in one direction by their affection and their desire. And on the other hand, being dragged by the fact that the world is going to end them. And so like having those triangles, having those things that you're not necessarily just opposed by another person, but you're opposed by yourself, really pushes things to change. 
if this thing goes really well that we're all working on, then I get, you know, I get good stuff from it. That's a promotion sort of thing. But also, at home, if I spend too much time working on this project, then I'm going to lose some relationship with my family. And that is a thing that is going to stay with you. That's something that's going to be really important throughout. Um, two really good examples from PBTA games are uh, the Janus from Masks and Cartel's Esposa. So something else that I wanted to ask, um, well, something that came out of that, um, that is maybe the last big like kind of concern that I have, okay. is that I think that, that, that an easy replacement for combat is exactly what you described of giving people, giving your characters uh, diametrically opposed goals and sort of like saying, you may all have the same goal, but but here are a whole bunch of of like secondary goals or maybe even primary goals for the character um, that say uh, you are going to get into conflict with each other over different things. And that is a thing that, that Passion does. That's a thing that like Noir World does really well. Yeah. Um, where you're setting up all these relationships between people and then you don't really need the threat of combat because you can kind of say like, let's just like grind through creating all these relationships and, and possible conflicts with each other. And then gameplay is just unleashing that and letting it happen. Yeah. Um, but let's say, because this is, this is like the problem that I have is that I don't want to have uh, a lot of the gameplay being super about these sort of interpersonal relationships. Like obviously that needs to be there because that what that's what makes it an interesting and real feeling character system. But like I do still want a lot of the goal of the game to be that that sort of mutual thing that everybody is working on. Like there is still right. an external threat or an external uh, a task that they are trying to accomplish in a way where like the characters in, in Passion de las Passiones are not super necessarily interested in, in all working together no. to build a bridge. Yeah. Like they're working they're like the, the, the core story goal there is to like deal with all of these characters who are involved in bridge building, yeah. but really are trying to undercut each other. And, and even in noir world, that's, that's a step closer because there is still a crime. There is still something that we are trying to resolve but it's more about how do these characters interact with each other while they're while they're doing that thing. Right. But I still want to have the sort of the core like the core gameplay revolve around much more like Dungeon World actually, where like the the party has a goal of delving into this dungeon. Yeah. And there will be some interpersonal interpersonal stuff, but we still have that group goal that is still the primary driving factor of what's going on. So maybe what you're looking at in terms of playbooks is why can't you do this? Like, what mm-hmm. is the weakness that you have that is going to get in the way of doing it? I'm I'm thinking of, like, some of the, like, political dramas. Uh, I, I, I'm the worst and haven't watched West Wing. But, um, like, any sort of Veep, House of Cards... Uh, scandal yeah that you have characters that some of them are some of them are opposed those are npcs but you've got kind of your project characters that are working together and you know one of them has a lot of obligations at home one of them is unable to control their baser instincts one of them is uh just a workaholic that can't make good emotional connections with people 
And all of those are things that can push the tension. Yeah. So maybe what you're choosing as you're choosing your playbook, it might give you some like, maybe code it in a way that it sounds really positive, but you can play with it being a negative thing as well. Oh, you know what's a game that we should be talking about? Oh my God. Um, The Ward by Kevin Petker. Oh. Because that is a medical, that's a medical drama. You've got the same goal. You all want to save people. Yeah. And it is fraught with tension and difficulty and everything like that. Now, admittedly, it does have, like, the risk of death looming at every moment. But the core gameplay isn't about the threat of death. The core gameplay is someone screwed something up. And how are you going to deal with that? You're feeling stressed out. You're feeling hurt. You could potentially lose your job. And so you explode on somebody. Yeah, that, like somebody messed up and you found out about it yeah and but you know that if you tell your boss they're gonna get in trouble or or the like you have been tasked with doing something that you know is not within your wheelhouse of things that you can do and so you need to fess up to the person who is your greatest rival that you need their help that kind of stuff yeah okay that that actually works really well oh my god i will definitely have to spend some more time reading the ward and and then talking to Kevin. I I think we need to set up a set up a game to play the ward because I I now that I know now that I've kind of figured out and pieced together what your game project is. Yeah. I think you could take a lot of really good inspiration from it. Like yeah. the ward has moves like show contempt to somebody which is just oh. powerful and hard and like when it when it triggers everyone at the table just is feeling it. Um yeah, it, that is that's good. a Oh my gosh. The Ward is The Ward is a game I've only played once and I've read over a hundred billion times because I just am hugely in love with its mechanics. <laughs> it's it's a game that convinced me not to write a game. Yeah. Which is That's hard to do. Yeah, it's it's such an enormous compliment. I was I was probably when I went to Metatopia with Passion. I was probably a month or two away from being able to do playtests of uh, of an additional game that was yeah. a medical drama game. I remember that. Yeah, because I, I was basically trying to decide between bringing Passion or bringing my metadrama game. And uh, as soon as I played The Ward, it it showed me I did not need to make it. Yeah. Uh, someday I'm I'm going to make a hack for The Ward that makes it a little more what I was aiming towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it could be like a playset or something like that. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll okay. get back on that. But like, you need to read this game because it is a game yeah. that is fundamentally more about the characters' relationships being complicated and fraught and difficult. Yeah. And all having the same goal, you know? Yeah, and that yeah yeah yeah, and and then also having that tension, the 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 Hitchcock stuff uh, that we talked about, yeah, where like they are all working together probably to to save a life, and the GM and probably the players know what's wrong with mm-hmm. the with the character or the 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 person who is is uh, is on the the operating table, and that that builds tension, and that is exactly what I'm looking to do. Yeah, it's it's really it's a really cool one. And I, I think it's not close enough that you should be looking at it and going like, hey, I'm going to hack the ward. Yeah, no, definitely not. 
No, there are some big key things that it will not work and that I need Blades in the Dark for. Yeah. Oh my gosh, actually though. The the list of moves in the ward is so good. It's it's there's a ton of stuff about like uh about having like a stress and your character has like something that they are addicted to, some not necessarily Ooh. an addiction. But yeah, like, yeah. like for when I played, I chose that my character was addicted to work. Yeah. And so he was going to do the work. And so like you were able to kind of mitigate some of the stress you're under by going into the addiction. But needless to say, that has negative consequences. Oh yeah, my no, that that kind of of stress and workplace stuff um, is is definitely way closer than I was thinking uh, to what I'm looking for. So I'm definitely I own the book. Uh, I obviously I bought it. Yeah. almost immediately. Uh, Cause I ain't no fool. Yeah, uh, yeah and uh, I need to spend. I had I had skimmed it, but I had not been skimming it and and reading it with this kind of a oh, this is exactly the kind of thing that I want type thing. Yeah, so I need to go back and look at it and then uh, and maybe uh, borrow some uh, pieces. It's really good. I really recommend it a lot. Um, jeez, oh my gosh, I wish I'd come up with this at the beginning of the episode because I feel like <laughs> we would be halfway through making your game. That's fine. It's fine though, because I want this. This is like this is my. Still I still need to do a whole bunch of research. It's still secret. Yeah. Um. And and I want to. I want to get there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm excited though. Because we do a whole bunch of things where we we talk about a project mm-hmm. and we like start down the path and then we never finish it. Yeah. Because we have to move on to the next thing. And so this is like my let's not talk about it. I don't want. I don't want to like. I'm not even gonna probably talk to you about it too much. And I'm just going to work on it by myself. And then one day, I'm just going to have a game. Well, that's kind of how we did Passion in a way. Yeah. Like, we started out, we talked about it. We figured out the things that I needed to figure out to get writing on it. And And we checked back in. We checked back in. And, like, we'll probably keep checking in on this because I'm very interested in this project. Yeah. And I'm sure I will run into more problems. Yeah. And eventually, you're going to need an intimacy mechanic. And like Kevin Pedker of The War, you're going to come to me. And I definitely, I definitely already know that I will. Okay. Because <laughs> that is also an important part of the genre of the game oh, yeah. that I'm making. Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, how do you keep that's... tensions or stakes high? Make things as complicated as you can. Make it so that the goal that you're trying to achieve stops you from getting your other goals. Yeah. Yeah. And then make it so that players have differing goals and setups and things like that. Like... The, the minute that one of your characters says, like, oh, yeah, the big obligation stopping me from from achieving my goal is that I have a family at home. And then another player at the table says, yeah, and the the big obligation that stops me from uh, from getting to my goal is I'm I'm having an affair with their spouse. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're both very stressed out by this. <laughs> that is like. That's gold for having tension in every single scene they have with each other. So yeah, I think this is gonna be good. Oh, I'm, the- I'm like I've been struggling so much with figuring out what the like core gameplay yeah, of the, the gameplay game loop. is gonna be. Like, what are the scenes? Yeah, and and I think and I think I'm getting closer to feeling comfortable with where it is. Great. You know, what? you might actually you and I should at some point talk about my initial plan for the medical game. Yeah. Because it actually might have some nice potential. Because my medical game had even less medical stuff than his did. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I agree. I agree that like I'm feeling closer to where where uh, that that your project may be able to help me a little bit, and that I feel like after we've had this conversation, uh, I'm I'm much further. I'm feeling more confident about moving forward. Um, like I've said in the past, I've got to just kind of collect some movies and stuff that I want to watch. Yeah. Uh, and some books uh, to be my influence and start working on the different types of characters and roles and stuff that I need. Um, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna read. I'm going to dive through this Blades in the Dark SRD again, mm, make yeah. sure I fully understand Blades. I'm going to read through The Ward again, um, and I'm probably going to, well, whenever I can get my hands on it, read The Cartel. Um, Cartel is I, really I, slick. I also backed that. Um, yeah, me too. So if you would like to reach out and t- take some guesses, maybe, try to figure out what you think that I'm working on, uh, or if you have any ideas of other games like The Ward that do great kind of like workplace dramas uh, that where everyone all has the same task, but there's no combat involved, yeah, um, uh, hit me up uh, on Twitter is a great way to do that. And you can find uh, both of us at Stop, Hack, and Roll, or I am individually at End the Meltdowns. And I'm at Dr. Captain Kobold. You can find all of our episodes, links to some of the games we've been working on, and a website in a lot of need of upgrade at www.stophackandroll.com. Uh, you can email all of uh, either of us at James or Brandon at stophackandroll.com. Uh, eventually, we will read those emails. Um, <laughs> I need to try to be better about checking them. Uh, I don't think and, I have any outstanding emails right now. Yeah, I think I might have one. I'm going to get back to whoever, whoever uh, sent me that email. I promise. If you would like to help people to find the show, one great way to do that is to put your earbuds directly into their ears. But another great way to do that is to rate and review our podcast on iTunes. The way that the uh, algorithms are set up is that if you give a five-star rating, people are more likely to have it come up when they look up unrelated things. Uh, Mm -hmm. And also by reviewing it, it also says it like because because iTunes knows it has an algorithm where it knows what podcasts you listen to so it will show yeah. people who listen to those podcasts our podcast that's true um, consent is also important before you just put earbuds into someone's ears so I recommend walking up to them and saying hello uh, would you like to listen to a podcast it's better than modifier um, <laughs> it is about hacking pen and paper games uh, don't listen to modifier instead listen to stop hack and roll um, maybe also listen to Modifier, but here would you like this? Here are my, ear, my earbuds. I think that algorithm actually tells us that listeners to Stop, Hack, and Roll listen to Modifier. <laughs> so. I right, because because Stop, Hack, and Roll only comes out every other week. So, like, there's a oh, whole off true. week where they've got to listen to something. Um, we are able to make this podcast and some of our other podcasts and, and do all the stuff that we do um, with the support, the financial support of backers on Patreon. Backers like Mike Fielding, Rob Harvey, Zoe Rich, uh, Izzy Sanders, The Fool Dude, uh, V. Brower, Declan Chadbourne, Clay, Terminally Nerdy, uh, Nora Blake, uh, Chris Newton, Michael Bowman, Alice Tobin, Chad Owen, Blake Ryan, Anthony Nomorosa, Troy Pitchelman, ShuffleQuest, Panic Productions, Ben Benj? I think it's Benj. It might be Ben um, J. I'm not sure. That's what I said last time. I'm going to go with Benj this time. Okay. Benj. Correct uh, us. Ben. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jimmy Rogers, uh, Richard Critzlandry, uh, Riverhouse Games, Randy Lubin, Rob Kosick, and Rob Abrazado. Thank you guys so much. If you would like to join in with that big old list of names, people helping us to keep our shows afloat, uh, you can help support this show and future shows at patreon.com slash stop, hack, and roll.
Yeah. And if you can't support us financially, then you can give us just as much support by being part of our community. Uh, one of the things that we are like the craziest proud of is that even though our, our the, the number of people who listen to this podcast is not huge, a huge number of them talk to us on Twitter, talk to us on the Discord, talk yeah. to us in different ways. And being part of that community helps us know what things we can, we can what know what episodes you're interested in, know what topics you want to talk about. And and just sort of uh, helps us feel good about everything, and and helps helps you because we can then talk to you and address the things that you are the most interested in. Yeah, definitely. Um, so join us, join our community, either by hitting us up on Twitter, emailing us, whatever, um, or join us in our Discord, which is which you can find at tinyurl.com/shrdiscord or discord.stophackandroll.com. James, you and I should talk also at some point about the P.O. Box thing, because we've had a couple of people requesting us getting a P.O. Box, and uh, we're moving towards doing that. So uh, yeah, if, if get you've your been, hate mail ready. Yeah, exactly. Definitely send, send all of your hate mail to the P.O. Box when we're ready with it. <laughs> As you are swinging through a dark city full of mist and psychic floating whales, fighting against the oppression, the crushing tyranny that has held you in place, and thinking about your boss's spouse and how you're going to fix the printer, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Do you think that people think that I'm actually that egotistical or uh, do, you, do you think they think it's a bit that I'm doing? I don't know. Cause, cause I'm definitely that egotistical. Just to, <laughs> I was going to say, I think, I think some people do and they're right. Yeah. Th- those are the people that are correct in this situation. <laughs> Cause I know who's kidnapping the ghosts. Perfect. Uh, and uh, yeah. Do we have anything else that you want to say? Anything else that's interesting? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> have I said anything interesting yet? I like that we have run out of tabletop gaming people to throw shade at. So now all of our episodes are just throwing shade at movies, too. (laughs) 